Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. All right, it's time now for us to check in with Vaughn Palmer for the Vancouver Sun. Good morning, Vaughn. And good morning, Simi. You know, it's report card time. Yes, and my sympathies for the listener who is also a parent and who is for the first time looking at one of the BC government's nifty new report cards with the nifty new grading system. So over the summer, the government said letter grades are a thing of the past, and we're going to have a new system of telling you how your children are doing in school and what you're going to see on the report cards and what parents have been seeing the last little bit is uh, your child is going to be ranked as emerging, developing, proficient, and extending. And more than a few parents are going, what the hell does that mean? (laughs) Yeah, it's a bit confusing when you have gone from what you know and how that works and what it means to, well, what does it mean to be emerging? Yeah, you know, and the government's first comment is, well, hey, we announced this over the summer. You know, people knew this was coming. Sure, because everybody know? pays attention to school yeah, stuff in the summer. Pays attention over the summer. And, and also that, I mean, the thing about letter grades is you can debate them, but they're familiar because a lot of parents went through school and went through letter grades themselves. And the real struggle is defining what those words mean. So what is the difference between emerging and developing and proficient and extending, uh, the education ministry has posted lengthier definitions and guidelines online. Sammy, I've read those, and I have to say they aren't a hell of a lot of help. It sounds quite arbitrary. And, you know, it's interesting. I gather that's the reaction of some teachers, too. I mean, teachers hear from parents, and parents want an explanation. And You know, the government a couple of years ago proposed this whole system and asked everybody in the system, what do you think? They asked parents, they asked students, they asked teachers, and they asked administrators. And Simi, the, the only people that liked it were the administrators and the bureaucrats in the education ministry. This is the new ideology of education. Uh, You shouldn't be handing out letter grades because they stigmatize children. And so the government went with the bureaucrats and the administrators, not with the teachers and the parents and the students. And the government is now reaping the reward from a lot of confused parents who want to know what the hell all this means. And doesn't this just mean that the teachers have more work to do now because you have to communicate more, you have to explain more, you have to think harder about what category the child fits into? Yeah, when I wrote about this over the summer, and it did get reported, Global did some stories on it, other news media, what we heard back, and when we were reported that everybody in the system except the bureaucrats had rejected this plan, uh, we heard back from, you know, education people, insiders and that, that, oh, well, you know, uh, we'll get all this sorted out and it'll be fine. And then the other thing they said was the BC Teachers Federation supported it. Well, yes and no. I think... 
in fairness to the BCTF, they their reaction really was, let's give it a try, but their own members are coming back to them, and the BCTF is now saying the rollout has not been all that good. And first of all, Simi, not surprising. It's a lot more complicated for teachers. It's more work for them, as if they weren't already had enough work. And there's some pushback. Now, you know, you talk to the government about this and they privately say, well, you know, there's another BCTF contract coming up in a year and a bit. It expires in 2025. And, you know, the BCTF is laying the groundwork for asking for more money to deal with the reporting situation. Well, that may be true. And it is also true that BCTF and governments and BC have disagreed a lot over the years. But on this one, I go back to what teachers originally said about all this And teachers said, this sounds like a lot more work and it sounds like parents are going to be confused and bewildered, never mind the students. The TF, some teachers right off the top, Simi, pointed out a problem to me as well. And I don't know how they've sorted this one out. But when the government announced we were going to these new emerging rankings, they said as well, that's only for grade one to nine. We're going back to letter grades or we're sticking with letter grades for 10, 11, and 12. As I understand it, that means that some students who went into grade nine this fall are on the new ranking system. They're no longer being letter graded. But next year, they're going to, when they go to grade 10, they're going to be switched back to letter grades. Because much as the government believes in this new ideological ranking system, the universities are going, we're not interested in transcripts that describe a student well, exactly. emerging. They don't have the time. The hell they don't have is. the time to go through that. Yeah. We want to see grades. I mean, we want to see A's and B's and C's. And whether or not you get into a lot of universities is going to depend on your transcripts, as it always has. And some universities want to see 10 as well as 11 and 12. So the government has had to abandon its scheme for grade 10, 11, and 12. And some teachers have told me, so they got students that are going into the new system for one year in grade nine, and then going back to the other system for grade 10. And of course, eventually you're going to get a bunch of students arrive at grade 10, Simi, who've been on the old system and are going to go, what are all these A's, B's, and C's all about? What the hell do they mean? All right, we are back with Vaughn Palmer this morning. Lots for us to talk about, including the ongoing saga of, in Surrey. What is it this time, Vaughn? Simi, <laughs> I'm sure when you returned to British Columbia from your recent vacation, the first thing you asked yourself as you got off the plane was, gee, I wonder what's going on with the Surrey policing standoff. <laughs> and probably the How second you know? thing you thought was, surely they've sorted that out by now. <laughs> I don't make any assumptions anymore. Well, okay, and that's a good assumption because not only is it not over, but the timetable that I've seen suggests it is going to spill over into the new year. It may be March, April, and May before this gets sorted out. So here's the latest update. Uh, The administrator, Mike Sayre, appointed by Mike Farnworth uh, to oversee the whole thing. The government got rid of the police board and took control of the situation up there or thought it had, uh, the administrator delivered a budget for policing services for Surrey as promised on November the 30th. They haven't released the numbers to the public because they want to give Surrey Council time to digest everything, to ask some questions, 
And until that happens, uh, they're not going to release it to the public. So we don't know what the actual budget is. However, Mayor Brenda Locke says a Surrey council is not in any great rush to look at these budget numbers. They're being imposed on Surrey and the council has other business to deal with. And she <coughs> claimed in an interview with uh, my colleague, Gord Hoekstra at Vancouver Sun, uh, claimed that she couldn't even remember what the budget numbers were, which... Oh, really? Fine, fine. I find but, that very you know, hard to believe. You, Come on. drive around in Surrey these days, you'll see some billboards up. Uh, the Surrey Council majority is putting up billboards warning Surrey residents that, quote, the NDP's policing tax is coming in the new year. So... That the Surrey hasn't given up the idea. Surrey's still in court, by the way, to uh, Simi fighting this thing. Uh, the provincial government has weighed in on the court case. The province says Surrey's court action should be dismissed because the issue is, quote, moot. The government has imposed the new Surrey policing service on Surrey by law, and there is no longer any room for any legal argument over that. It's going ahead. So, uh, the standoff continues, the political standoff continues, and um, a couple of dates mm. you want, want to mark on the calendar. First is March the 1st. The administrator has given Surrey until March the 1st to go back and forth and ask all the questions it needs on the policing budget, and that's the tentative date, cutoff date, when the administrator will make the budget public. The final legal authority over the Surrey policing budget is not up to Surrey Council anymore. The provincial director of policing services will make the final call. And presumably what happens on the 1st of March, Simi, is that the budget that the administrator has decided on will go to the provincial director of policing services if Surrey Council hasn't said anything by then, and it will be imposed. That's tentatively what's going to happen. Uh, Brenda Locke says she's looking mostly to the courts still. She's hoping the courts will provide relief. And she says, as far as she's concerned, the key date is May 15th. That is when, by law, the Surrey budget needs to be fixed. And if you've seen her billboards, she says if it's imposed on Surrey, Surrey ratepayers are looking at a huge increase in taxes to pay for the NDP decision to go to Surrey Policing Services over the RCMP. So, see me? This thing is Vaughan? as messy as it ever was. <laughs> so, given all of that and how significant this is and how important mm -hmm. this is, because Surrey residents, they, you know, they're watching their bills just like everybody else very closely. Yeah. I, do, I do find it astounding that the mayor would say, oh, there's no rush to look at the numbers. Of course there's a rush to look at the numbers because the public needs to know what's going on. Yeah, I, that's true, but... True, this but... Is a, this is... The but is the political strategy here. The mayor's strategy politically, and that of a council majority, is to essentially force the New Democrats to impose this on Surrey and impose the costs on Surrey. And that's why she's telling people, brace yourself for the NDP tax increase. Privately, I would say she recognizes there's no turning back on this thing. It's going to go ahead. But she doesn't want to be blamed for the cost. 
and she wants the New Democrats to wear it. And because next year is an election year, um, the New Democrats have, I would say, dragged their feet on facing up to this thing for a while. They hold most of the seats in Surrey, and they don't want Surrey voters when they go to vote next fall to be saying, yeah, well, the New Democrats sure raise my property taxes. And that's a political battle, and there's plenty of room for debate around this. But as I see it, that's the political game that's being played here. She's daring the New Democrats to impose it on Surrey and essentially putting pressure on government to minimize the cost. And that's where the real negotiation is going on here, Simi. The provincial government has put $150 million on the table to help Surrey with transition costs. Locke and her council say that's not enough. They say the added cost will be $464 million. So three times as much as the province has put on the table. If there's anything going on in the back rooms on this, Simi, it's a negotiation for how to make sure that the direct cost impact on Surrey property taxpayers in the coming year is minimized and there is room, I gather, to move some things around and minimize that at least for the first year of the electoral cycle. So I think that's what's really going on in the back rooms is there's been plenty of political posturing in public. What it's really about is making sure the provincial government absorbs the cost of something that the provincial government has imposed on Serbia. Okay. And do they really, they don't really have much of a choice right now, do they? Like, as you say, election year next year, they want to make this as easy as possible. So they're going to, they would have to do it. Yeah. Yes. I mean, the New Democrats wish they'd never seen this thing, obviously. They wish they'd never gotten dragged into it. They had no idea when they first got dragged into it by Doug McCallum that this thing might come back and they might have to go back on it. All of that is true. And when you heard the hesitation in David Eby's voice last week about just going along with what Mayor Ken Sim wants to do with the Vancouver Park Board, and where Eby said, "Um, I have some conditions, you know that in the back of his mind he's going, no way is this going to turn into another Surrey. We're going to have this thing straightened out and done before I end up wearing it, or it ends up being an election issue in the next civic election, in Vancouver because, Simi, David Eby and the New Democrats hold most of the seats in the city of Vancouver as well. So if they mishandle the park board issue and it turns into a political backlash, they don't want to be wearing that one. I can see why. Yeah, time to set out some rules on these kinds of situations. Avon, thank you. Bye-bye, Simi.